Hi, everyone. Welcome to the next episode of the Bay Street Capital Holdings podcast titled How Do You Do It and Why Should I Care? This series aims to highlight women doing amazing work in various industries. So today we are so lucky to be joined by Mahogany Borayo Gilchrist, who is Civic Engagement Coordinator Intern at the USC Annenberg School for Communication and Journalism. Hi, Mahogany. Lovely to have you on the show. Hi, nice to meet you. Thanks for having me. So I guess we can start off with a quick introduction and also the question of the podcast, which is how do you do it and why should I care? Um, I'm still figuring out how how I did it, right? I think it's it was a matter of luck, which I have the working definition of is preparation, meeting, you know, opportunity. Um, so for me, I, I feel like education has always kind of been like my entry point um, in so many different arenas. And I think it's important to care um, because it provides a lens for individuals who come from the same type of socioeconomic backgrounds and racial, you know, um, intersectionalities. I uh, identify as Black American um, and Central American. Um, But to be easier, uh, just as an Afro-Latina, my father is from uh, Guatemala or Guatemala, which is the appropriate uh, pronunciation. And my mother is Black American from the Midwest and Missouri. Um, So for me, those have been really important identities and navigating just life in general. And I think it's important for those who don't identify like me and those who do identify like me to see voices like myself in spaces, uh, places and spaces, um, to amplify the people that are like me um, and that identify in the communities that I am part of, but also to feel like they have a resource um, and a co-conspirator to help really like go to bat for them in educational settings to dismantle, you know, racial inequities or just social, you know, structures that are embedded heavily in um, racist practices. Mm, that's so interesting. And it's it's very clear from, you know, the way you spoke about it, that you're very passionate about this. But my next question for you is sort of what inspired you to join the civic engagement industry? Was it one specific point in your life or a culmination of experiences? Oh, it's certainly a, a culmination. So um, I guess it would have helped if I would have given myself a little introduction, right? <laughs> um, so I am I actually uh, earned my undergrad in history. Initially, I wanted to be a museum curator. That was always like my life dream as a kid, right? Um, as a child, when I was really little, my mother, and even developing into like teenagehood. Um, I'm one of six. I'm the oldest of six. So my mother always would take us to museums. One, because my mom is really into the arts and she's a poet herself. Um, But I think it was also a really like inexpensive way to get six little people into like some, like to keep them busy. So we were always at museums Um, and I just fell in love with them at a really young age. And when it was time for me to figure out like, what am I going to do with my life? which I think is a really unfair question, if I'm being honest, that I want to point out that we ask young people, emerging adults at 18, what they want to do with their life, right? Um, Because I am no longer 18. I'm in the dirty 30 family now. um, And I still have no clue what I want to do with my life uh, for the rest of my life. I have a pretty decent five to 10 year plan. Um, so to put that kind of pressure on a young person, really, I, I try to um, steer away from that. And I encourage others to steer away from that. Um, 
but I, I actually went to school for history um, to be a museum curator and I became a history teacher um, because museum curators didn't make a lot of money mm-hmm. and the joke's on me because neither do teachers, right? Um, <laughs> but I ended up really loving being a teacher and I got to curate museums, but they were just humans, right? Mm-hmm. Little human beings that I get to be a part of their life canvas, wow. um, hopefully positively, right? Yeah. So. The civic engagement uh, position at USC Annenberg specifically deals with high school students um, from various counties. It was only limited to Los Angeles County up until last year when they went virtual. Um, So now they're San Bernardino County, Riverside County, Los Angeles County, Orange, um, and San Diego. Um, And we we go, it's a pretty diverse socioeconomic group, right? When you look at all those counties. Um, But we really reach out to students who are from communities of both wealth and those that have been marginalized, right? And try to integrate them into what it's like to be a college student, specifically at the Communication and Journalism School of USC Annenberg, um, because there's so many amazing resources that USC has. um, And USC Annenberg specifically, there's so many prominent people that have come out of that school who are now working in the industry of communication and journalism and even their professors um, and faculty that are there. So for me, it was it was kind of like a natural segue um, to really diversify my professional palette, but also to feed that passion of mine to assist young emerging adults, like figure it out. Like, mm-hmm. what do you want to do? What are you interested in? Um how to look for good journalism, right? That That's just a basic good life skill that I feel like we should have um, that has kind of been lost in these past few years, right? The past decade, yeah. like really learning what's good journalism, what's good communication, what should we be looking for? Um, so that's kind of a really long-winded way of how I got where I'm at now. That's awesome. And following on from that, what would you say were the best resources for you that helped you in your journey? Definitely. um, One of the biggest resources, and I'm going to kind of like quote (laughs) Snoop Dogg's uh, when he got his his star on the Walk of Fame in in Hollywood. Um, He goes through thanking everyone, but then finally thanks himself. Um, So one of the main prominence, I think, is my self-efficacy, because there were so many barriers that were both visible and invisible um, that I didn't realize that I had overcome until one day I just sat down and I was just like, whoa, mm-hmm. this is escalated really quickly. Um, and in the most amazing ways, because I never thought that one, um, as a Los Angeles native who got denied an undergrad to go to USC, that I would be working now on my second um, and final, well, not final, because I probably will go back because learning is amazing. Um, but my doctoral degree at USC and earning a master's, um, But then even beyond my own self-efficacy, but really like the community, right, that I have sometimes fallen into, like hard crash on accident when I was like running on fumes. And this this tribe of people that, you know, we call network, but for me, they're really family, um, both biological and just family that you make in adulthood. that you find everywhere from your cultural resource centers to, you know, a professor who will do a snowball introduction to someone else. So for me, those resources really have been like your tribe. 
Yeah. Um, the people that support you, that uplift you and let you know that you're on the right track. Um, or also let you know, like, maybe, maybe we need to change gears. Um, cause there's a, there's, there's a way that a third party has an omniscient view of you. Um, that can also assist in like, you know, I feel like I've been banging against this wall and it's like, well, maybe we're banging on the wrong door. Mm. Let's try this route. Um, and also, I think my spirituality, um, I'm not a super religious person um, in the traditional sense, but like definitely thanking the universe for always providing a way, even when I didn't realize that that way was being provided for me. Um, I really am big into meditation and centering myself because it gets hard um, trying to amplify your own story while also giving respect and honor to those that you're trying to assist with amplifying your story. Mm, um, very important. So that's, you know what I mean? I think that, that that's a big thing for me, you know, um, is making sure that I always thank the universe for the abundance that it's provided and the amazing resources and people that have come, you know, in my path through the process. Yeah, no, for sure. And following on from that, you seem to have learned a lot. But um, I was just wondering, are there any lessons that you wish you would have known before starting off in this industry? Oh, yes. list of them. You know, it's like, it's like, where, where do we begin? Like, we're not know that. Um, yes. Uh, I think the biggest thing for me, um, if I'm being honest, I don't always have to be the voice, right? Mm-hmm. Learning how to utilize your allies and your co-conspirators, because those are two very different entities, right? Your ally is the one who's going to amplify. And this is uh, directly from from Bettina Love, uh, Dr. Bettina Love, right? Where allyship is really, I'm here with you, I'm rallying with you, I've read the literature, um, and I'm going to support you to the best capacity that I can. Mm -hmm. Where co-conspiratorship is like, I'm here with you, I know the literature, I may not identify with this community, but I'm going to put my agency and my... Um, my comfortability, right, on the back burner so that I can amplify your story and your voice. And I wish that I, at a much earlier phase in this career path, would have allowed those people to do that um, because the burnout comes up, right? When you're When you're dismantling all these different things and you're just like, you know, I just wish someone would, would speak up. I wish someone would would, would come in and, and, and say, like, you know, this isn't okay the way that we, you know, that we are uh, marginalizing or continue to to marginalize these communities of color um, because it, com- it, it comes off very differently in a room full of people who don't look like you when one of their peers, right, says something mm-hmm. than when I'm always the one speaking. Um I think another would be, which kind of segues into is knowing my limitations. Yes, Um, very important. I feel like when you're starting off in your career, it really takes a while to know your limitations because you just want to take on everything. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You want to take off much more than you can chew. One, because 
if I'm speaking from the identity specifically as a woman, um, for me, I've always felt because because though education is a very um, traditionally cisgendered female um, field, right? Historically, it is changing um, in the sense that there are so many different entities that are that are now being respectfully introduced into the field of education. Yeah. But just because it's been traditionally women that have run education doesn't mean that um, white supremacy, white dominance, um, oppressive, be them overt or covert practices mm-hmm. have not been indoctrinated and ingrained in education, right? Um, so with that said, speaking from my Black American, Central American you know, identity. It, it, I always felt like I had to prove something right to the room. Like I'm smart enough. I have the accolades. I can do it all. Um, And the reality is, is that I can't and being okay with that. I think I'm still learning that, that trend of like mahogany. I do a lot of (laughs) self-talk, you know, like mahogany. It's okay. You don't have to one, have all of the answers all the time. Right. And if someone expects for you to have that, it's okay to say, like, I don't have the answer, but I work my hardest to get it. Yeah. Or I don't have the answer. And can you help me get it? Um, But yeah. And knowing when to ask for help. I think that's the biggest one for me. Lowering my limitations and knowing when to ask for help. Um, Those are two things that I really wish that I would have just jumped on really quick in my career. (laughs) Awesome. Well, I'm glad that you've come to that realization now and you can use that for the rest of your career. Awesome. So thinking about your career and the span of your career, what would you say was your biggest failure and what did you learn from it? We're getting deep. When I read that question, I, it took me a moment to really um, reflect. I know. Hi, this is my little. <laughs> Give me one second, okay? I know. Go back in the hallway. I mean, in the in your play area. But daddy's sleeping. I don't want to wake him up. So fine, you're so fine. This is mommy one on one. This is real life. Um, I know. Can you go back and give me give me some time, okay? Thank you for being patient with me. Um. <laughs> I think my biggest failure was, and it's funny that my daughter comes in. um, I put a lot of things like my career specifically Mm -hmm. ahead of serving myself. Yeah. um, And the things that make me happy. Yeah. And when I was no longer happy, I stuck with places and spaces um, that I probably should have walked away from a long time ago. Yeah. And for me, the failure is not recognizing that. I think the failure is that I can no longer take the time back mm-hmm. that I put into places that didn't uh, that didn't assist me in my growth. Yeah. Um, and if I'm being honest, giving up was always something that I felt was like the worst thing that I could do. Mm-hmm. And not, and I think the biggest failure that I've ever had for myself, if I'm being honest, is not allowing myself to be okay with saying I've had enough or this is too much. Um, 
And I know that that kind of is like that. That's not really aligned necessarily with like a career decision or a career choice specifically. But I feel like a lot of people feel that in some way. Right. Like we're so conditioned to believe that giving up or walking away is like the worst thing you can do. Exactly. Um, And it's not. I think the failure is sticking with something when you know that it no longer serves you, teaches you or makes you happy. You know, Um, I was watching a YouTube video recently and I don't remember the gentleman's name um, or really what the conversation was about, but I do remember one thing that he said that was paramount that I've really been reflecting on a lot lately. And he said, you know, healthy people, people who are always on the go, want a hundred things. They want a thousand things, right? Yeah. Well, someone who was sick or terminally ill only wants one thing. Mm. Health. And I thought about that and I was just like. That's very profound. I think health is definitely wealth. You've got to put yourself first. Exactly. You just, you want to be healthy. You want to be happy. Living really is health, happiness, and love, both receiving and giving, mm. right? Um And if there's one thing that I want anyone to take from this, specifically when you're talking about career um, development or education experience, right? Make sure that it serves those three things. It's not always going to serve all of them simultaneously all the time and to the capacity, right? But the reality is, is that there has to be, it has to live in one of those, one of those spaces of health, happiness and love yeah um not simultaneously but concurrently sometimes like it it has to um and if it's not it's time to sit back and reevaluate like Mm -hmm. the why as as the first question you asked me how do you do it and why should we care why why am i doing this if if it if it doesn't if it doesn't make me happy Mm, it isn't you know what i mean how long you'll be in the profession for and like it's just matters that you're waking up every day and you're happy to go to work you're happy to do what you do exactly um when I was teaching there were times that like oh my god it was so hard to get out of bed mm. because I knew you know at one point at multiple points I had like 300 plus high school kids and I'm taking on 300 different lives identities and personalities and having to like literally be the master puppeteer of like I can do this. Um, when like my own life was falling apart in my mind, right? Like, how can I encourage you when I have no clue um, what makes me tick? But I was happy because I got to be a part of these amazing young people's experiences, right? Um, they fed, they fed into what I feel one of my life's purposes. Um, is right, um, and ultimately, I ended up walking away because I understood that it was time for me to that I could be part of education without being a teacher, right? Because that entity no longer serves me, even though I miss the students immensely. Um, but then I found a new a new lane, you know, in the position that I'm in now. So you 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 got to make sure that what you do is pouring into you, pouring in love, pouring in happiness pouring in health um you know 
Yeah, that's very important. And um, speaking about sort of like taking care of yourself and taking time off for yourself as well, what have you read or listened to that recently that's really inspired you? Oh, my God. So, here's this book. <laughs> Ironically, at my desk, it's called The Big Potential. Um, and it's how transforming, transforming the pursuit of success raises our achievement, happiness, and well-being. Um, it's actually a book that I is a required reading from one of my courses, a leadership course that I had. Yeah. And it really discusses what good leadership looks like, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, that's important because for me, I've always looked at leadership in a deficit model in the sense that like, I know what bad leadership looks like, right? Yeah. But I've never taken the time out to look at what good leadership is. Like, what are the characteristics of good leadership? Um, and I really love this text because it it it's providing that lens for me of like, what type of leader do I want to be in an organization? Mm-hmm. Uh, what type of team do I want to um, develop in a leadership position? Um, and really, what is power, right? Because... We've all been taught like power is I, I am, I am leader. I am one. But in reality, I believe, and through reading this text, power and authority are two different things, right? Um, And for me, power was really about empowering other people. How do I use my, my power to give you power, to empower you, to create lanes and spaces for you? Um, so that you sit at the table and get everything that you deserve without having to make notice of like, I deserve this too. You yeah. know, like it's the, the world is literally, literally your oyster. And for me, I think that's really, um, where I am in my life. Like how, how can I, how can I pour into someone else, um, so that I no longer have to be that person, you know what I mean? Like. I don't know. I know that sounds kind of like super <laughs> just in the wind, but that's that's really like where I've been sitting and meditating and reflecting heavily, mm. you know? And speaking about reflections and sort of round off our conversation, what is one piece of advice that you wish you gave yourself at any point in your life? You are enough. You are enough. Um, you are enough. I don't, I don't really... <laughs> Perfect. Just you are enough as a piece of advice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there, you are perfectly designed the way that you are. Um, and that doesn't mean that you are perfect, but you are perfectly designed and you, you fulfill everything that it is that you need. Um, and it's okay to not, um, to not have all the answers that doesn't make you any less capable or any more enough. Um, but you, you are enough. And I think that's the biggest thing um, that I still tell my, my dirty 30 something self. <laughs> advice to end on. Thank you so much Mahogany for talking with me today. It was lovely to meet you and also to hear more about your story. Thank you. And I really appreciate you. And, uh, and, and just thank you for this opportunity. This is amazing. Thank you. All right then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.